You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Rob Tumbrella. Today, we're going to talk about meditating on God's Word, Bible intake, receiving the Bible, learning from and and finding our nourishment in the Bible. We're going to look at Psalm 1, and we're going to look at how the Bible tells us that for those who make a choice to get into the Bible, it can lead us into serious joy and real delight. Our choices lead us to or away from real delight as it relates to the Bible. We're going to look at three things in Psalm 1. Choices in verses 1 and 2. The results of those choices in verses 3 and 4. And then there's an abiding result, a consequence in verses 5 and 6. So choices lead to results, lead to consequences. So let's just jump right on in here to the choices. Look at verses 1 and 2. This is the very start of all the Psalms, and it begins with the words, blessed is the man. Now that also means women and children. It's not just uh, thinking of, of men specifically. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The very first word is the word blessed or blessed. Blessed is the man or the woman or the child or the teenager. Blessed. Now, uh, there's uh, a lot to this word blessed. Uh, It means to be fulfilled. It means to be satisfied. But the most Basic definition of blessed is happy, happy and joyful. Uh, And uh, it's an interesting thing that the Bible assumes right at the outset that you and I desire to be happy. Go figure. The Bible actually starts there and, and then shows us the incentives and the way towards happiness. Blessed, happy, joyful. The Bible assumes that we want a blessing. We want to be happy. We want to be Filled with joy. We want to find real delight and serious joy. One translation of the Bible uh, uh, could be translated this way. Oh, the happiness of the one who. That's how it starts. Oh, the happiness. Oh, the joy of the one who does the following things. Now, the French theologian said it this way. All people, everybody seeks happiness. He said, this is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. Our our, our will, you cannot... Cut the nerve of your desire for joy. I know something about you today. You want serious joy, real delight. And that's what Blaise Pascal said. And Blaise Pascal was just echoing the very words of Jesus. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be full. Jesus desires our joy to be full and overflowing. He says in John 16, 24, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. God cares about our joy. God cares that our hearts are filled up with delight. He cares that we can lift up our eyes and experience real and serious and lasting joy in our lives. And that is really good news because sometimes we approach the Bible and we, we think other thoughts. We think maybe uh, we want more joy than God wants in our lives. And the exact opposite is true. God desires more joy in your life than even you desire, if you can believe that. Well, someone tells us how happiness and joy, the real kind of joy, comes. It comes two ways. It's avoiding certain things and it's doing certain things. Notice verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Notice those are actions. The walking, the standing, the sitting. You'll see that. And then there are places, the council, the way, the seat. And then there are people influencing all of that. Wicked, the sinners, the scoffers. And we should read that. When we read that, you see kind of a slowing down. You see a progression there. Walking in the council of the wicked leads to something. Those choices lead to standing in the way of sinners. Those choices lead to sitting down in the seat of scoffers. <clears throat> Nobody starts by sitting down in the seat of scoffers. Nobody starts sit- seated at the table. Nobody, nobody said, I, I, des- I wanted to start here. They just end up there. Well, how do they end up at the seat of the scoffer? Well, they end up there because they were standing in the way of sinners and listening and being influenced. And how did they start there? Well, they didn't start there. They started by walking in the counsel of the wicked. They, they were captivated by what the wicked had to say, and they were walking, and then they, they started to slow down and started to stand and really listen in on what they had to say, and then they found themselves sitting down at the seat of the scoffer. Well, what is the scoffer in the Bible? It's not just somebody that respects you, uh, and, but just intellectually like disagrees with you, that's a different kind of challenge when you have somebody's respect. But a scoffer in the Bible is somebody who disagrees with you and laughs at you in your belief. It's somebody who mocks you and derides you and finds enjoyment and humor that you would believe such crazy things. Second Peter tells us that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. The scoffers will come scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Everything's the same. Nothing has changed. And they will laugh. And they will scoff. And they will mock at your beliefs. Those are, those are the scoffers in the Bible. And they are influential. We have all experienced, if you've been a Christian for any number of years, you've experienced the, the scoffing and the desire to win their respect and the desire to not be uh, laughed at or feel isolated or feel different or 
uh, any of that stuff. We, we, we want to not be uh, laughed at. We want to not be viewed as different, and we value their respect and that kind of thing. And we know the temptation that comes when we potentially are being mocked or laughed at internally or, or actually. Well, uh, the blessed person uh, acknowledges the temptation to, to, to slow down and to walk and to stand and then to sit down with the scoffer and doesn't do that. Well, what does the blessed man do? What is the, what's the pathway towards happiness? Well, verse 2 tells us, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, I know this is maybe something you shouldn't say, but this is just the reality. When you hear the word delight, and then it's juxtaposed, it's right next to the law of the Lord. It's a shocking kind of downer at first, right? It's like, but his delight is in the, oh, what? The law of the Lord? That doesn't sound like the first place you would find delight in. You know, that's not the first place you would, you would assume joy in uh, or delight in. There's a, a Wahlburger that just opened up in Frisco. I haven't gone there yet, but I've heard it's really, really good. And I've seen people post about these tasty burgers at Wahlburger. And I believe them. And the reason why I believe them is because I've experienced the delight of a good burger. And so I haven't actually gone to Wahlburger yet, but I know what, it, what a burger tastes like. I know what a good burger uh, tastes like. So I've got a context for that. I'm sorry, I put my water down here. I know a context for that. Uh, and so I immediately go, yeah, I got, totally, I'm, I'm on board with you. But if I've never tasted the delight of the law of the Lord, it, it sounds almost like, huh, really? There's a delight there? There's something, to, there's real joy to be experienced there? <clears throat> but listen, for those who are on the inside of this truth, for the insiders, for the people who have experienced real joy in the law of the Lord, there is something different, a different kind of experience that if you've never experienced, you, you wouldn't have a context for, but I want to encourage you to experience it. Jeremiah, the old prophet, said it this way. He said, your words were found, and listen to this. He said, I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. He, he, he treats the Bible, he treats the word of God, the law of the Lord, like something to be savored, something to be consumed and delighted in. And for those who consume the Bible like that, there is a serious and a real joy that you wouldn't discover in any other place, anywhere else. The, the, the word says here, uh, delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates. So this gives us a picture of what it means to delight. How do we delight in the law of the Lord? We meditate on the word day and night. To meditate, here's what this means. It doesn't mean empty your mind. That's kind of an Eastern understanding of meditation. It actually means to fill your mind. And after you fill your mind with truth, you, hear this, utter or mutter and muse and imagine. Utter, mutter, muse, 
and imagine. I know that sounds weird, but it's, it's speaking truth. It's, it's not just reading it, but kind of speaking it kind of to yourself out loud. And then imagining all the ways that this truth is true in your life. That's what it means to meditate. There's lots of things that we could talk about in, in how we do that. Memorizing scripture is a way that we meditate. But even just reading it out loud or, or saying it back to yourself under your breath or, or, or praying that back to God is kind of uttering and muttering. And then using your imagination to imagine all the ways that this uh, could be true in your life is to meditate on the Bible. The psalm says it this way, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. That's what it means. When you're pondering something, you're thinking about it. You're imagining all the ways that it is true uh, in your life and in the world. Let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. That's to engage your imagination and speak back truth to yourself. And for those who get in on this activity, for those who choose to do this, there is secret joy. It's an open secret, but there is secret joy to be discovered if you will take time to meditate on God's word. Donald Whitney in his book, The Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, says it this way. He says, a simple analogy of meditation would be a cup of tea. You need tea drinkers in here? A cup of tea. You are the cup of hot water, and the intake of Scripture is represented by the tea bag. Okay? Hearing God's Word is like one dip of the tea bag into the cup. Some of the tea's flavor is absorbed by the water, but not as much as would occur with a more thorough soaking of the bag. In this analogy, reading, studying, memorizing God's word are represented by additional plunges of the tea bag into the cup. The more frequently the tea enters the water, the more effect that it has. Meditation, however, is like immersing the bag completely and letting it steep until all the rich tea flavor has been extracted and the hot water is thoroughly tinctured. Reddish brown. Isn't that a wonderful picture of tea for all you tea drinkers out there? That's what it means to meditate. It means to, to plunge the tea bag of God's truth into our hearts and let it soak. Not just a, not just a dip, but, but a, a real soaking. There is joy in that. There is a satisfaction to be discovered in, in doing that with God's word. Well, those are the choices. If you choose to do that, choose to step into that. There is joy to be had. And there are immediate results. What are the results? Look at verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The psalmist is saying, look, there are some serious benefits to meditating on God's word day and, day and night, to finding your delight in the Bible. You are stable Hear that. You're a planted tree where everybody else is unstable. You won't be. You are satisfied because you're by streams of water. This ever-flowing stream of water that this never goes away. It's always re replenishing the tree. The tree's never wondering, where's the water? The water is always there. Uh, it's, and you're satisfied. You are yielding in season. You're a fruitful person. 
Your leaf does not wither. I mean, if you want to talk about uh, a benefit to, uh, to, to 2020, it's the people whose leaves did not wither because they were trees planted by streams of water. Because the promise is that the leaf does not wither. Uh, the, the, the tree could be shaken, but the leaf does not wither. And how, how we need to become people like this, rooted and planted where we have, uh, where we're fruitful, the limbs go out, we provide shade, we provide nourishment to people, and we don't wither when, uh, when the wind comes, because the wind will come, and it has come. And you're safe. Look, notice, in all that he or she does, he prospers. You prosper. Now, that's not a statement that says everything in your life goes great if you read the Bible. That's not what that's saying. Uh, that's, the Bible makes statements like that to talk about how God works all challenges and difficulties and suffering in our lives for good. That's what Romans 8, 28 says. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That is just, that's just a promise that if we're planted by the streams of water, no matter what comes our way, God is somehow going to bring about good in and through it. That's what that means to prosper in everything. But that's an incredible promise to be stable, satisfied, fruitful, enduring, safe. It's an amazing benefit to being planted in God's word. But notice that the wicked are not so, verse 4 says. The wicked are not so. They're none of that. They don't get the experience any of that. Now, they act like their life is great. At first blush, it seems like everything is wonderful for the wicked. But the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. At first glance, you think that their life is stable. But in truth, in truth, they are like chaff. Chaff is the husks, the straw that's removed when the at the threshing floor, the farmer would toss up the grain and the outer flaky stuff would catch the wind and take off. And the grain, the stuff that had weight to it, would fall to the ground. And that's how you separated the, the chaff from the wheat. In other words, it's like it's the, it's the worthless outer part that's not rooted to anything. It's not stable to anything. It has no substance to it. And as soon as any wind, the slightest breeze catches that chaff, it takes off. You ever cut, a, you ever cut an onion, right? That outer flaky part of the onion that you quickly just get rid of, like quickly take off and just throw in the trash. That's, that's what chaff is. And that's what the wicked are like. They're like chaff that the wind is going to drive away. So there are immediate benefits to spending time in God's word. You could be a tree experiencing endless growth, personal delight, bearing fruit, even in challenging seasons, sustainable in good times and bad. Listen, providing shade to people. You can provide shade to the people that you work with. You can provide shade for the people on your sports team. You can provide nourishment to all kinds of people in your life. There's, there's that immediate benefit. Or you could be unstable. You could be tossed around. Chasing after shelter. Chasing after purpose. And those are the immediate results. And even those results, hear this, have an abiding consequence. There, it doesn't stop there in, the, in those kind of immediate, those immediate results. There's, there's something 
lasting that we've got to be aware of. Look at verse 5. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's only two places. I know we like to think that there is a third option here, but you are either in the assembly and the congregation of the righteous, or you are in the way of the wicked. And they have captured your attention, and because they've, they've captured you, you're captured by it, and you're going to not stand in the judgment. Listen, the, the wicked is, are, are very influential, but notice these words in verse 5. They will not stand in the judgment. There's a day in which every single one of us will be before Christ, our judge and king. We will stand before judge, our judge and king who is Christ. And it will either be a joyous day of celebration in which you are in the congregation of those who are celebrating, or you will not stand in the judgment. You will bow down under compulsion, and, uh, and the wicked will not stand. The wicked are standing now, but they will not stand in the judgment. And uh, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. There's, you will miss out. They will miss out, and they will incur judgment upon themselves. Verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows those who by faith have trusted in him and have rooted themselves in Christ and are receiving his word in an ongoing way. Uh, but the way of the wicked will perish. Notice that the way of the wicked, is, it's not going to endure. It's going to perish. It was so attractive. It was able to stop somebody in their tracks and, 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 and cause somebody to listen in and to stop and get seated down into that place. But here in verse 6, the wicked will perish. That, that way is going away. It's not going to last. Jesus says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the one who gives life. The wicked give no life. They take life away. Jesus comes to give life. And he comes to make people who are wicked, which is uh, all of us, okay? The Bible says all of us. None of us have kept Psalm 1 perfectly. There's only been one person who has perfectly kept Psalm 1, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the only one who ultimately has, has done this. And you and I, if left to ourselves, are wicked, and we will perish in our sin. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, for wicked people, to turn wicked people into righteous people, to turn dead people into living people. Second Corinthians says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's through faith in Jesus Christ alone. We receive his righteousness and we receive new life. And I just want to pause right here and say you could be listening to this and you could be saying, uh, I, I, I see some of the immediate benefits of, of the Bible, but I don't know if I've ever trusted in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you right now, my friend Greg Steer says it this way, Jesus rescues us from the hell we're going through and the hell we're going to. That there is no life apart from Jesus Christ, and he offers you life right now. So if you, right now, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can receive him. You, by faith, you can turn from, from wickedness. You can turn from the way of the wicked. You can turn from the counsel 
that you've been listening to, and you could say, I want in on Jesus. I want him. I want his life. I want his authority over me, and I want to be like a tree planted by that stream. And I want his life to make me alive, and I, I, I want to be enduring, and I want to be shade and shelter, and I want to find shelter under Jesus. Receive him today. Receive him by faith. Say, Christ, come into my life and take my life and, 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 and give me your life and give me your righteousness. And I turn from my sins and I trust in you. Do that right now wherever you are. Well, let me close, let me close this way. For all of us who are in Christ, who've, who've made that decision, put their faith in Jesus, how do we delight in the word of God day and night? How do we do this? Because we're all weak. We are all, uh, we all need help in this, uh, this area of our life. How do we do this? Number one, it's one of the most important things. We acknowledge our need. We acknowledge our weakness. We acknowledge our need. We acknowledge that it is hard to delight in the Bible, that it's just difficult. But this is where the Bible helps us. Sometimes we think the Bible is going to clobber us with all the ways that, you know, we, we haven't been delighting in the Word. But what we've been reading this morning is from Psalm 119. And listen to these other Psalms in Psalm 119. Turn my eyes from, from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. We read that at the very beginning of the service. What is that a statement about? It means that my eyes are looking at worthless things, God. I'm looking at stuff that it's not satisfying. It's not nourishing. It doesn't give me life. It's not from you. It leads me away from you and not towards you. So turn my eyes. That's a, that's a prayer. That's literally, God, this is hard for me. I need your help. Uh, Psalm 119.18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. If you don't open my eyes, God, I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to desire it. I'm not going to delight in it. So, God, open up my eyes. That's an acknowledgement of need. Uh, Psalm 119.32, enlarge my heart, God. In other words, my heart is like this. It's like, it's like the Grinch's heart, right? It's like the, like the tiny little heart before he blows it up. Enlarge my heart, Enlarge my heart, and then I'll run in the way of your commands. In other words, God meets us where we're at, where we're not delighting in God's word. It's not like work up your delight and then go delight. No, God meets us right where we are, acknowledging our needs, saying, God, Psalm 1936, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Move my heart towards the Bible is what it says. Move my heart towards Scripture. Hold me up that I may be safe in regard your statutes. These are just honest prayers that the Bible gives us right there in Psalm 119, arguably the chapter uh, that talks all about the glory of Scripture. And here we see human weakness. We see, uh, we see us. We see us in Psalm 119. Like, Lord, I need your help. I'm acknowledging my need. Turn my desires towards the place that I'm going to find real and lasting joy. Number two, quickly, remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. And that sounds like, well, that's a no-brainer. If I'm opening up the Bible, certainly I am aware of the gospel. Not necessarily. Jesus told a group of Pharisees who knew the Bible backwards and forwards. He said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Hear the simplicity of that. It is they 
that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. There is a way to approach the Bible and not be coming to the Bible to be coming to Christ. You can use the Bible as a weapon. You can use the Bible as a platform for your righteousness. You can use the Bible purely for the sake of knowledge and puffing up your own, uh, your own mind and everything that you know. And you can avoid the Bible for all of those reasons. Listen, you can avoid the Bible for the same reason the Pharisees loved it. Because you think the Bible is all about you. And your uh, ability to perform God's law, which the Pharisees were not aware that they were not performing God's law. They did not love God. They did not love neighbor. And so they were breaking God's law, even though they knew it backwards and forwards. But you can avoid the Bible for the very same reason. You think it's there to just simply clobber you and to uh, condemn you instead of meeting you where you're at and experiencing real joy and delight in Jesus Christ. The Bible is all about planting us in the person and the work of Jesus and connecting with God in a deeply relational way. It's not a transaction of information. It is information. We do commune with God through knowledge of Scripture, but it is a relational uh, experience. And that's when we're meditating on Scripture. We're experiencing something in, in a deep relational way. So, uh, so remember, it's about knowing Jesus. It's about knowing Christ. That's why we're going to the Bible. And, uh, and, and, and we're doing that every day. That's why we're going every day. Is, God, I want to get near you. And this is how you said to get near you. This is where true delight, this is where serious joy is found. Lastly, this is the last thing I would say. Remembering the gospel, uh, acknowledging your need, all that stuff. Then it's time to get serious about joy. Get serious about joy. If you want real joy, you got to go after it. You've got to extend effort and, and hustle. Now, when I was a kid, uh, this is an orange. When I was a, uh, a, a student, when I was a teenager, when I was a middle schooler, uh, and even in intermediate, I had to make my lunch every day. That was one of the things I had to do every day at night was to make a lunch. And so when I made my lunch, I quickly made the, made the sandwich. And then uh, my mom always required me to put a piece of fruit in my lunch. I don't know if you, uh, you know, had a mom like me or, uh, or if you're a kid that uh, is required to eat fruit every day. But I was required to eat fruit every day. And so uh, she always had these oranges at the house. And so I would quickly grab an orange and throw it in the bag. And then I would... Uh, forget about it. And then the next day, I would eat the sandwich and whatever else, the chips and, and the dessert and all that stuff. And, uh, and then there would be an orange sitting in there. You know what I would do with the orange? And I think I did this every day. Mom, if you're watching this at home, I just need to, this is a confession time, I guess. I would take the orange, and I'm not even kidding. I think every day I threw the orange away, every single day. Every day. I think I took it out, and I remember thinking, I remember thinking, that looks good. That looks tasty. And I remember going, I toss, toss it every day. And, and most days I didn't think anything about it. But there'd be some days where I'd feel a little bit of guilt. Like maybe that cost a little bit of money. Like maybe that was a little bit, of, uh, you know, there was some cost to that. Uh, but here's why I threw it away. I did not throw the orange away because I did not enjoy oranges. I didn't. I, 
I really liked oranges. I really delighted in oranges. Do you know why I, throw, I threw the orange away? It was because it took a little bit of effort. And you do the same thing. It took a little bit of effort to get into the orange. And it was just enough effort to where I'd said, eh, not today. And then not today turned into another not today. And then another not today. And then another not today. But listen, there is, if you can get past the peel, okay, if you can get past the fact that there is peel here, there is something to delight in. And I'm actually going to show you that it takes a little Little, it's, it's sticky. That's another thing I didn't like. It's sticky. And it takes a little bit of time. The clementines are easier than the other oranges. Um, but it does take some time, right? And you open up that thing, and here's the effort. It takes time. Okay, I'm going to have to wash my hands afterwards. Uh, I'm acknowledging it's a little messy. It's a little difficult and all that kind of stuff. But now I've, I've taken the time to get into the orange. And now, right, now I really get in here and I open this thing up and now I'm really going to delight. I'm really, now there's serious joy, serious joy coming now. Okay. All right. So good. So good. So tasty. I'm going to have another one. Now, and while I'm delighting, I have something to share. Now it's COVID, so I'm only going to share with my family here. So come on up. This is something to share. <laughs> Nourishment and joy and delight. I have something to share, but I do have appeal. And if we can get past, this is that's just an illustration of how the Bible works. If you can get past the peel, there is peel. Every day there's peel. But if you can get past the peel, get past the sticky, get past the, the, the challenge of that, and find, uh, find a, a way to get past that, you will experience serious and lasting joy. Get a time, get a place, and get a plan. Everybody say that with me. Time, place, plan. Say it again. Time, place, plan. Jesus is said in Mark 135, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed, went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He had a time, he had a place, and he had a plan. And, and, and there's a lot of plans out there. There's a lot of plans. Find something that you will do every day. Something that's sustainable every day. Maybe it's a chapter out of the Bible a day. You, you find a, a place where you uh, read and commune with God over a chapter of the Bible. Maybe a chapter is too much. I'm a slow reader, so a chapter is about all I do in the morning. I do one chapter a day. Uh, for you, maybe it's half of a chapter, but find something that works for you. There's a U version. There's all kinds of plans out there that you can use. Bring it up to your small group and say, I need help with this. Let's all do this together for 30 days. Let's read a chapter a day. And then when we meet together, we'll take a moment in the group time and talk about it. You know, what we're discovering. When you leave here today, you're going to get an orange, okay? It's, they're out in the back. Everybody gets an orange. And take the orange with you. And uh, you can eat it on your way out, but uh, take it. Maybe this is a good way of doing it. If you're struggling with the Bible, take it into your, uh, your time tomorrow in God's Word. And just remind yourself, you got to get past the peel. Get past the peel, and, and you will have real delight in God's Word. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. 
To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.